So maybe you know these words. Four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth upon this continent a new nation, conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. If you know them, you probably know that they come from Lincoln's Gettysburg Address. I stood on the battlefield at Gettysburg a little over a month ago. I stood there, it was my first visit, I stood there and I listened to the guy talk about the lives that were taken on that battlefield. I imagined the pain and the suffering of that battle and that day, ultimately fighting over whether we should be free and what freedom meant. Do you, do you ever stop and think? Do you ever stop and think that all men and women were not seen as Evil were not free, even as our country was conceived in liberty. In fact, they weren't free even 87 years later, as Lincoln was giving the Gettysburg Address. Which might seem like an odd thing to talk about as we approach the 4th of July, but while we weren't all free at the time of the conception of what the United States would become, it is fair to say that what we celebrate on the 4th of July is a concept, it's an idea of, of freedom and, and liberty for all. And that that value, that core value has been a, a light and a hope for us. When we watch fireworks, when we gather together, we celebrate this, this ideal that is in front of us of liberty and freedom. And so it seems like a good time for us to talk about what is freedom? What does it really mean? What is this value that we hold so dear as citizens of this, this country that many of us are citizens of? And, and might that freedom that we hold as a value be related to the freedom that we're introduced to in Jesus Christ? Today seems like a good opportunity to talk about freedom and the biblical concept of freedom. So let's pray and then just explore this concept for a little bit today. Would you, would you pray with me? Holy God, we do give thanks for this gift of freedom that we experience here in the United States of America, and we give thanks for the freedom we experience in Jesus. Guide us today to hear, to learn, to grow in your word as we explore these ideas together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I, uh, I remember my first day at college. How many of you remember your first day out of your parents' house? Maybe you moved into an apartment, maybe you went to college. How many of you remember that first day? I remember mine very clearly. My mom and dad took me to the University of Missouri at Rolla, where I was enrolling at school. Uh, we moved into the, hello there. Uh, we moved into the, we moved into the, the house that I was going to be living in, which was a disastrous mess. I mean, a complete and utter disastrous mess. I don't know how my mom 
like, let me stay there. Um, I, I'm, I don't know the rest of the story. I'm guessing dad had to drag her away, um, uh, thinking my son is not going to be safe here. But what I remember very vividly is they, they left, like they, they headed out, and then somebody else is putting on a show behind me. <laughs> my mom and dad left, and, and I remember at that point going, oh my gosh, like, I have to make all my own decisions. I am free to make all of my own decisions. Right, there was just this sort of exhilarating sense of freedom followed by this incredible sense of fear. What if I mess them all up? I'm gonna guess some of you have a similar memory. Or maybe, maybe your memory is of, is of leaving a child for the first time. Maybe it's just as, as recent as leaving them at camp and realizing, I can't make, I can't be there for every decision that they're making. Or maybe it's, maybe for you it was leaving a, a child at college, that, that panic of thinking, what are they going to do with this freedom that they have been given? The online Webster Dictionary defines freedom as the absence of necessity, coercion, or constraint in choice or action. The online Cambridge Dictionary gives a related first definition, the right to live in the way that you want, say what you think, and make your own decisions without being controlled by anyone else. If you don't like those definitions, we'll just use the definitions the kids just gave me. Just do whatever you want whenever you want. Freedom. And I, I think this is often what we think of when we think of, of freedom. But as I ask the kids, like, is this really what we want? Do we really just want everybody being able to do whatever they want, whenever they want? Without a care for anybody else? We might also ask, because sometimes we hold this up as the value, is this what our country was founded upon? Was our country founded upon the, the idea of doing whatever we want, whenever we want, whatever the cost to others? Or we might think about this another way. For those of you who remember moving out of the house or, or going to college or that kind of first taste of, of independence, when you think about it, are we really free even then to do whatever we want? Because schools and colleges, they have rules we have to, to follow, right? Jobs, they have rules that we have to follow. Cultures have rules that we follow. Communities have rules and laws and social norms that we, that we follow. The truth is, aren't we always subject to some authority in our lives? Let me just invite us to think as we think about freedom. The truth is we're always subject to some authority in our lives. Uh, maybe it's a community moral structure that we live by. Or maybe it's the laws of the land that we live in, a government system. Or maybe it's God. Or maybe the authority is our own sort of innate desires. And I'm going to guess many of us I'm going to guess many of us have experienced at some point in our, in our lives what happens when freedom runs amok and we just let our own desires be the guide. 
Do we really want a community based in that kind of freedom? So I think maybe when we, when we think about this concept of freedom, the value of freedom that we, we say we desire, maybe we mean something different than everybody doing whatever they want, whenever they want. And there's a letter in the Bible. Paul writes a letter to the church in Galatia. Where Paul unpacks this concept of freedom with people that, I, you know, for all the differences over 2,000 years, I wonder if they weren't so different from us because they were wrestling with what does it mean to be freed. Paul writes to them in Galatians 5, verse 1. He says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. The church in Galatia was an interesting place, an interesting situation. Barnabas and Paul, they had gone there, and they had preached, and they planted parts of this church, and they had been teachers in that area. The area was dominated by a, a Jewish community that was led by the Rabbi Shammai. And for Shammai, strict adherence to the Torah was the way. For Shammai, if you were going to be part of God's people, you followed the rules, the rules as they were interpreted by Shammai and Shammai's school of thought. Some new followers of Jesus had joined this, this new community that Paul and Barnabas had, had planted and that, that had started to grow. Some, some followers of Shammai had joined this. They, they wanted to know Jesus, but they carried with them this idea that you had to follow the rules to be part of God's community. You had to follow the rules to be loved by Jesus. Others were Gentiles, and they had converted to become people of God as, as Jesus' followers. And they were also in this community, and they were saying, no, you know what, I'm saved by Jesus, so I can do whatever I want, whenever I want. I already know salvation, so I, I, can, I can do whatever I want, and I don't need to worry about what other people think. So Paul hears this division. He hears these people struggling between you've got to follow the rules or you are not part of this community and you can do whatever you want. It doesn't matter as long as you know Jesus. Paul sees this division and so he writes a letter to this church. And he says, in Christ, yeah, you have been set free. He begins there. He says, Whoever has been teaching you that somehow you have to rise to a certain level in standing, whoever tells you that somehow you have to follow the rules the way they want you to follow the rules, somehow anybody who's telling you you have to earn your way in to God's love is wrong. Actually, if you read the passage, uh, you'll realize Paul uses even, uh, even tougher words than you're wrong. Paul says, everybody is welcome at Christ's table. All of you are welcome at Christ's table. You don't have to prove yourself or submit to some human authority or set of rules. And then Paul says something else. 
We're going to pick the text up back at Galatians 5, verse 13. He says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Paul says, yeah, you've been set free from Christ, but that doesn't mean, just like we talked about with the kids and parents, that doesn't mean you're just free to do whatever you want and hurt other people in the, in the process. Elsewhere, elsewhere, Paul will say to the Corinthians, kind of in a, in a similar vein with a similar challenge, Paul will say, everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible. Yeah, you can do anything, but not everything is beneficial. In other words, as a follower of Jesus, you can do anything. But you shouldn't do anything that isn't beneficial to others, that doesn't help others to know the love of Jesus. This, this is the heart of our Christian understanding of freedom. Christian freedom is the freedom to do what is beneficial. The freedom to do what is good, what builds community, what contributes to the common good of humanity. Christian freedom is not the right to just do whatever we want, to submit to our own desires. That road the Bible says again and again, submitting to our own desires, that road, the Bible says, it leads to destruction. It leads to personal destruction. For any of you who have gone off to college and, and taken that wild step of saying, I'm going to experience all the freedom my parents never gave me, you know where that leads. And thanks be to God, many of us were turned off of that path in our own lives. The more of our lives we submit to Jesus and one another, the more freedom we experience. It's kind of a paradox, isn't it? The more we submit, the more we give up our freedom and submit our lives to Jesus, the more freedom we experience. And if you're like, wait, how does that, how does that work? Timothy Keller, I was a pastor in New York, great, great pastoral leader. He presents an analogy that I, I, I find really helpful. He says, think about a bird in a cage, right? A bird in a cage, is, it can't experience the nature. It can't experience spreading its wings and flying wherever it, it wants to. But once we release the bird from a cage, it can spread its wings and fly anywhere and go anywhere that it wants. But a bird is not going to experience the, the blessing of freedom if it, if it just crawls along in the dirt like the other animals that it has seen. Right? That's a dangerous place for a bird. It probably isn't going to experience much freedom in the dirt. And that bird is not going to experience freedom if it, if it dives into the water. This also isn't freedom. Why? Because the bird is created to fly, to soar. 
True freedom for the bird is, is living into that natural boundary that's been put in its life. The, the way that God created the bird to be, that is true freedom for the bird. Which leads to a question for us. Who does God create us to be? And is it not true that true freedom is, is the freedom to live into who God wants each of us to be? We're created for relationship, for stewarding creation, for showing the world love. Paul goes on in Galatians 5.14, he says, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, loving your neighbor as yourself. That's the truest expression of Christian freedom. Loving one another. Over the past several years, in the tension of our world, I, I just prayed and prayed that we who are part of the church, and I don't mean Clay Church, I mean we who are part of the church in the United States of America would, would just come to this verse in Galatians. Like, it's all summed up. Love your neighbor as yourself. This is the freedom we desire. This is the freedom we hope for. Paul says, he says, if you bite and devour each other, this is verse 15, if you bite and devour each other, Paul says next, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. Have you ever heard someone say we live in a dog-eat-dog world? Anybody ever heard that saying, dog-eat-dog world? That's what happens. That's what happens when a group of people move so strictly towards legalism that they begin to think that if people don't follow the rules the same way we do, they're less than. They're less than us. They're less than human. They begin to judge. They begin to feel superior to others. They become mean and unforgiving of anyone who doesn't do it the way that they do it, like animals seeking to devour those who think in another way. This is also what happens, though, when freedom becomes a license to do whatever we want, whenever we want, no matter the cost to others. This is what happens, becomes a dog-eat-dog -dog world when we say, what happens to someone else doesn't matter as long as I feel safe. As long as I'm having fun, as long as I'm comfortable and successful, it doesn't matter what that does to other people. Again, we become animals, driven only by our desire with no care for the needs for others. In the concept of biblical freedom, God invites us to live between these two extremes. We are invited to be freed by Jesus from our own selfishness. Or in the words of the Bible, the desires of our flesh. Paul keeps writing. He says, so I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. And sum it up this way, by submitting our lives to Jesus, we're set free from temptation. We're set free from self-centeredness. We're set free from the 
kind of community where people are left behind or unwelcome at the table. And then we're invited as followers of Jesus to also be set free from legalism, from thinking that in any way, shape, or form anyone has to earn God's love for salvation. Galatians 5.18 says, But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. By submitting our lives to Jesus, we are set free from having to measure up to God's, to earn God's love from the fear of anything, including death. I know, I, I, uh, I rewrote this sermon about six times. Last time, about midnight last night, after Cheryl went to bed. I don't always do that, sometimes, but I just continue to wrestle with this idea of Christian freedom, and I think it's so important in our world right now for us to have conversations about what that means and what that looks like in the lives of those of us who are part of the church. But I know it's, there's, there was a lot there, and I can tell you I've already lost this part of the audience. <laughs> so if I've lost you, tune in right now and hear me say, hear me say these two things. First, in Jesus, we experience freedom from temptation, from feeling less than. We experience freedom from having to prove ourselves, from judgment, freedom from anything that keeps us from feeling loved, freedom from anything that stands between us and God. And two, in Jesus... We experience freedom to be who God wants us to be. Freedom to love. Freedom to create the kind of community where all are cared and provided for. Freedom from having to earn salvation. Freedom to Live in the gift of salvation in the way of Jesus so that all may see the gift of God's love as a saving part of their lives. I close with this. Do you know who Emma Lazarus was? Some of you may be like, that name rings a bell somewhere. Emma was a Jewish-American author who penned words you may just know inspired by the Statue of Liberty. Maybe you've heard these words before on the Statue of Liberty now. Keep ancient lands your storied pomp, cries she with silent lips. Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free, the wretched refuse of your teeming shore. Send these, the homeless tempest tossed to me. I lift my lamp beside the golden door. Emma Lazarus wrote those words, but she also wrote this. Words to Jewish Americans encouraging them not to turn a blind eye to those Jews struggling elsewhere in the world. She said this, until we are free, we are none of us free. Until we are free, we are none of us free. But lest we should justify the taunts of our opponents, lest should we, we should become tribal and narrow and Judaic rather than humane and cosmopolitan, 
lest we should become like the anti-Semites of Germany and the Jew-baiters of Russia. We ignore and repudiate our unhappy brethren as having no part or share in their misfortunes until the cup of anguish is held also to our own lips. She says, we can't be free until we're all free. When the United States was formed on the value of, of freedom, this core value of freedom, it wasn't that there wouldn't be laws to govern, it wouldn't, that there wouldn't be guidelines that we'd all follow to be part of the country together. Everyone wouldn't be free to do whatever they wanted. Instead, it was founded on this idea, this concept of freedom that said, we're going to watch out for one another. We're going to make sure that everyone has the freedom to be who, who God called them to be. This freedom was and will only be, was and will only be in relation to how caring and how united we are and protecting and preserving that freedom for one another by caring for and loving one another. Washington would later say this in his farewell address. Until we are free, none of us are free. As long as people are oppressed, tempted, desperate, judged, made to feel less than, our communities fall short of what God intends for us. So we are a people, citizens of the United States of America who believe in a country built on this idea of freedom, but even more important, followers of Jesus who believe in this idea of Christian freedom, that to be truly free is to submit our lives to the greater good, to Jesus, and then live in the way of loving sacrifice and kindness and grace. And here's the gift, and we know this. We've witnessed it in community. The more people are loved, the more we live out our freedom by expressing it in service to the greater good, to the community, we all find more and more freedom to experience the goodness God desires for all of God's children. Amen.